In this new podcast series, we are on a mission to reunite families at the dinner table. We want to help families be closer, sharing and more loving. The dinner table is not only an area for eating, but a place for gathering, sharing, communicating and where relationships can grow. Studies show there are enormous mental and physical health benefits for the whole family with reduced rates of anxiety and depression. There are so many benefits and in this series we'll give you ideas on how to get your family to the dinner table and how to make it a valuable experience for everyone. We are joined on this Figuring Out Families podcast series again by Derek Boylan who featured in our Focus Sessions series. Derek is a father of nine and director of the Centre for Life, Marriage and Family in the Archdiocese of Perth. He is also a lecturer in the discipline of counselling at the University of Notre Dame in Perth, specialising in grief and loss, professional and personal growth and couple and family therapy. Derek, great to have you back on the program. It's great to be here again, David. Before we start, uh, Derek, I believe you and your wife Karen have added to the family brood since we last spoke. Congratulations on that front. As a husband and father with a large family, you're certainly suited, well suited to be part of our new series, The Dinner Table. I believe it's something that's close to your heart. Absolutely, David. It's something that's very close to our heart family. Dinner times with uh, with nine children is certainly an experience in our house. And, uh, and we did welcome little Solomon, our youngest member of our family, uh, about four months ago now, and uh, and even that actually was an interesting sort of experience of a family meal. He arrived very early in the morning. Uh, it would have been around about quarter to two, and we had a home birth. And so, um, oh, wow. you know, after baby was born, we woke up all the kids and we brought them out. And that's all right. Uh, that's okay. I'm going to be him now. Um, Yes, that sounds like that's our four-year-old <laughs> coming to see mum. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, once all the, the kids were awake and uh, they'd met their little brother in the early morning, um, they, uh, they just, our eldest children who were in their early 20s decided that they would cook up a feast. And, uh, and so on the morning of little Solomon's birth at about 4 a.m., we had bacon and eggs and baked beans and fried tomatoes and it was just a lovely experience to welcome this new little member of our family and to just be a family around the dinner table. But oh, uh, family that, meals are pretty good. That's brilliant. I imagine uh, the uh, your other children were thrilled to bits as well. Oh, it was fantastic. It was just lovely. I think the biggest argument that we have in our house at the moment is who gets to hold the baby and <laughs> who's had, had the baby for too long. Well, that's a nice problem to have, I think. <laughs> it sure is. It sure is. Now, uh, Derek, we regularly post ideas for families on the Magellan website and in social blogs about what they can do as a family, whether it be cooking a meal. It's funny you mentioned cooking uh, a meal together, saying a prayer or tips on how to start a conversation, simple things like that. We believe the dinner table is crucial for families to gather and communicate regularly. Uh, that was something you would obviously agree with. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's uh, the family meal is really one of the few times that a family actually gets together where we have as many people as possible in the family coming together at one time. And it's just so important for fostering connection, uh, for celebrating the, the joys of what's happening in our lives, uh, for developing our you know, family identity and, uh, and just for unifying our families. It's such an important uh, time of the day. Yeah, no, definitely. And it really doesn't have to be just for eating. I think a lot of people think of a dinner table as a place for eating, but uh, 
You can play games as a family or have general chit-chat, discuss how everyone's day has been, just simple things like that. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting, I think, in today's day and age that we tend to think of meals as about eating, that they're about, um, you know, consuming food so that we can function and get through daily life. But, but that's actually, you know, in the ancient world, that would have been quite a foreign concept, a foreign understanding, a strange understanding of what a meal is about. You know, in the ancient world, their understanding about meals was less to do with you know, eating food to fuel your body, but it was about connection. It was a time when people came together and they were consuming the same foods, the same fruit, vegetables, and that sort of stuff. But that, by doing that, it actually really united them and it brought connection that for them in the ancient world, mealtimes was all about connection. It was all about coming together and joyfulness and playing games and connecting with one another. That was the main purpose of a, of a meal as opposed to the way we sort of think of it in modern times. Yeah. And, I mean, let's be honest, the, the general breakdown in uh, communication or people not eating meals together, it's something that's really only happened in recent decades, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It is something that is uh, it's sort of lost. And when we look at the research over the last, um, oh, gosh, you know, century, about our last 100 years, we can see a real decline in the family meal as a time for families to, to come together. You know, some research suggests that maybe as less than 30% of uh, teenagers would actually know the experience of a regular family meal in their home. Yeah, that's an incredibly sad thing, really. It's something that we just took for granted when I was growing up. We always ate as a family uh, just about every night of the week and uh, perhaps not on the weekends regularly, but certainly uh, Monday, to fr- Monday to Friday, absolutely. Yeah, oh, gosh, that's right. And my my memory of growing up as a as a child was, you know, regularly sitting down and having dinner and, um, you know, as a family, we had our t- place at the dinner table, regular chores, setting the dinner table for uh, uh, for family meals and uh, and that was just a, a standard part of our experience growing up, but it's, it's not for many families. No, I didn't mind washing the dishes, but I hated drying the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> I was the other way around. I didn't mind washing them, but I hated drying yeah. them. Yeah, we didn't, didn't have a dishwasher back, back then, but anyway... Uh, I think today's families don't realise how lucky they've got it in that respect. Uh, Derek, in the focus sessions, you spoke about relationship breakdowns because of a lack of communication. Would you agree that many couples and families generally don't sit down and eat together as as often as they should, really? Yeah, I absolutely would agree with that. I think one of the, the biggest challenges for families today has been the advent of screens. You know, screens coming into our world, television, computers, laptops, and, you know, and since probably about 2007, the, the prevalence of smartphones and, uh, and smartphone technology that wherever we are at any minute of the time, um, we have this sort of phone that connects us with the, the rest of the entire sort of world. And we've sort of maybe lost touch with actually the importance of just coming together, of being together as a, as a family and, uh, and being with the people that are right here in front of us and before us. You know, it's sort of what occurs to me is that in our workplaces, we put more energy into the importance of team meetings at work, you know, of coming together as a team uh, and to make sure that everyone's on the same page and that we're working together. And yet we don't even do that in our own families. I guess the family meal is kind of like a time when we sit down and we have a little team meeting, you know, and uh, check in with how we're all going in this project of being a family. Yeah, no, it's a, and I think if one thing taught us during the pandemic too, and certainly here in Melbourne, we had so many lockdowns and then you had the opposite effect, uh, people, single people and others 
found it very difficult because that connection with other people, work colleagues, whatever, was gone. The physical contact just wasn't there. And it, yeah, it showed up a lot of interesting facts and figures, I think. Mm, that's right. I sort of think, you know, we can sort of think about productivity and all those sorts of things. But, you know, if you just, you know, if you have a friend and you regularly rang them up every day and had a chat to them for five minutes, you know, over a year, a pretty deep friendship starts to develop and, and build. And it's the same with families. You know, we have to prioritize that time of just coming together and just talking, just touching base with how we're going and how we're traveling and day-to-day life. And that's how relationships are built. Yeah. It's a, such a simple, simple thing or simple concept, talking, but it's uh, one of the hardest things as we've spoken in previous podcasts, communication and uh, people just talking together, not at each other, but with each other. It's it's yeah, it's sort of like a lost art in some respects. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and I think it's, uh, you know, often when families want to sort of start that process, if they realise that, you know what, we need more connection in our family life, you know, they can often struggle in those early stages um, to work out how, how to do that as a family, how to try and get people around the table together as a family. Yes. Derek, uh, reportedly children who regularly sit down for family meals have a much better mental and physical health outcome and improved academic performance. Numerous studies have shown this in recent years. You think that would be enough to get uh, families perhaps to sit down and uh, have meals together more regularly? Oh, look, I, I think that there's, I mean, there is such a, a plethora of research now around the benefits of uh, the family meal. And unfortunately, it hasn't sort of got into, uh, you know, the hands of families. But, you know, what we know about um, the, the impact of a family meal on individuals and on families is quite extraordinary. Uh, there was a, a one study that was done, uh, a systematic review, so looking at all the different literature that was currently available back in 2015, so not that long ago, and yeah. uh, and their findings were that they recommended that actually every health practitioner should educate families on the benefits of having regular meals together as a family. And, uh, and their findings, as they looked at all this sort of research, were that it helps with family cohesion, it helps with family stability, with family connectedness. Um, they found that it actually does a lot in terms of for adolescent development, in terms of um, enhancing adolescent development and growth. Um, helps with problem solving. It helps with um, social emotional development. Helps with better eating habits for, uh, for young people. Um, you know, one study found that actually just eating regular family meals, that the more regularly families had meals together, it was associated with, um, you, know, uh, you know, issues related to overweight. And but not just now, but in the future as well. That you know that children had healthier bodies and better nutrition as a result. Um, but also, they found that for adolescents, it also decreased engagement in risky behaviour. Um, and uh, you know whether that's you know all sorts of kinds of uh, ways of being. That actually that family meal, what came out of that stand, um, that systematic review was that's probably one of the best things, simple things that families can do. Uh, that it will help in lots and lots of different ways for the families themselves and the individuals within those families as well. Yeah, that's an extraordinary number of uh, various issues that could be overcome or at least greatly reduced if uh, people did sit down as a family. That that really is mind-boggling. That's extraordinary, absolutely. And uh, and we probably can in you know future podcasts break that down a little bit because it really sure. it has a strong impact in in all sorts of areas. You know, people who are struggling with anxiety, depression, addiction, trauma. Uh, what we found is that that regular family meal can make a huge difference, and it's something that's so simple. You know, it does. It's not costly. You know, in the way that maybe you know therapy might be, or you know other 
uh, kinds of interventions. It's just a, such a simple thing that a family can do on a regular basis that really promotes health. Yeah, and some things work well. I used to uh, eat too quickly. My mother was always telling me off as a five-year-old and a 10-year-old, and let me tell you, uh, later in life, I'm still eating too quickly, and I wonder why I get indigestion. Yeah, the biggest one in our house is stop eating with your mouth open. Yeah. <laughs> and keep, yeah. because we've got such a big family, keep your elbows in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and don't talk while you're eating because you're going to choke. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's just, it goes to show you can tell people things over and over, but they don't always take it in. And I'm a, a great example of that. Um, Derek, children have so many distractions. You've mentioned smartphones, video games. What would you suggest to parents to encourage their children to gather together for a nightly meal if the kids are disinterested and it's really like dragging them to the table? Are there some strategies that parents can use? Yeah, look, I've got a few tips around uh, what to do to try and, you know, certainly we've had different challenges over the years uh, trying to get our kids around the table. And I suppose, you know, the first question is whether you use a carrot or a stick, um, whether there's consequences for not joining the family or whether you sort of try to, you know, make it an experience that they want to be a participate in. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, for families, I think the first thing, often if it's something that's, that's fairly new that they're trying to introduce in their home is more time at the dinner table, is to just really be really patient with that transition. Often it's a new experience maybe for young people and they can kind of go, well, why do we have to have dinner as a family? And they might push back a little bit and uh, and until they actually start to experience the connection and the benefits of it, it might take a little while. So just being patient with that is the first thing. Sure. A big rule that we have in our house and certainly we've found it really helpful is that there's no screens at the dinner table. So, uh, and mum and dad role model that and, uh, and there's a, clear understanding that, you know, we're not going to be here for, you know, forever. It's only a short period of time. And the least that we can do is really honor the relationships that are right there around the table by putting our phone on buzz or silent or on hold. And we can always come back, to, uh, you know, people later on who are outside of our family home. Fantastic. I guess I would also suggest start small. So if it's something new, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, every single night, you know, it can just maybe be, you know, picking one family meal a day, uh, you know, oh, sorry, a, um, a week, it might be a, a Sunday lunchtime, or it might be a Saturday evening when together they come as a family to join and, uh, and share a meal together. And, and I guess it doesn't have to be, sometimes when people think of the family meal, they sort of think of maybe an American Thanksgiving, you know, evening. It doesn't have to be a full-on sort of yeah. English yeah. sort of spread. It can just be gathering around the barbecue. Sometimes our family meal is just really simple. We get pizza and we sit in the family room and uh, and we all just sort of sit around and have a, a chat before watching a, maybe a movie together that we all would like to watch and enjoy uh, as a group. So, you know, starting small and doing it in a way that resonates for your family is, uh, is really important. Yeah. One of the things that I've sort of found with our teenagers that struggle uh, to sort of join the table is that, you know, that what works best is a, sort of a pull rather than a push, you know, that um, you know, there is this sort of inclination in us sometimes to say, well, we're having dinner as a family and you're expected to be here and all of those sorts <laughs> of things. Um, but what I found actually sort of works best is actually if I sit down with my teenagers when I get a moment, a quiet sort of um, a moment to just say to them, you know, look, um, mum and I do a lot for you around this house, you know, picking you up and dropping you off and supporting you in different ways. And, uh, and it makes a big difference, you know, when, you know, we don't ask for a lot in this house, but when you actually join us for dinner, it actually makes a big difference because we actually care about you and we love you. 
we want to spend time with you and uh, and that's an important part of our lives and and often it's just that little sort of conversation that just sort of helps them realize okay (laughs) i'll come and join you all for dinner and uh and it's that pull that often works sort of better than a a push um (laughs) the other thing i think that sometimes families get a, a trap that they fall into is sort of you know recognizing that you know the key important part of a family meal is connection you know it's uh it's not so much about the kind of food we're eating it's not about the way we're eating our food whether we're holding our fork in our left hand our right knife in our right hand and and those sorts of things but um that if they prioritize connection over correction family meals will start to radically improve sometimes we can easily get caught into either sort of you know, correcting everyone's eating behavior, you know, at the dinner table sort of too early without, you know, the relationships there and and sort of failing to recognize that the really important part of a family meal is that we're together, that we're yeah. sharing each other's company. Um, and there can also be a tendency, certainly I've fallen into this trap at times where uh, seeing as we're all together, I might deliver you all a lecture about your behavior these days or yeah. what's going on around the house. And, uh, yeah. and that yeah. certainly is a very good way to ruin family meals. And uh, so sometimes sort of separating those two things, like wait till dinner's kind of well and truly finished or you know, finding another time to have those sort of, sort of yeah. sit-down meetings about people's behavior. Yeah. It's probably not something you want to bring up right at the start because it would uh, perhaps sour people, the, people's the taste for the meal, if I can put it that way. But Absolutely. At at the end of the meal, it's probably not a bad idea, really. Yeah, and often if there's been a really good connection at the dinner time, you know, there is a space there to sort of say, hey, you know, guys, listen, before you leave the dinner table, we probably need to talk about a couple of things that are going on around the house at the moment and following up on chores and those sorts of things. And they're actually way more open and receptive to, to hearing. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier about meals and what you can have, and I think you mentioned pizza than a movie. I mean, it could be fish and chips on the beach as a family. Yeah. Around that's a dinner table too, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely, getting out of the house often will just sort of decide where you know maybe if we've been out during the day on a weekend, just decide you know what let's just uh, get some McDonald's and stop at a local park at summer. It's still daylight and have something yeah. to eat and have a bit of a play with the younger ones, and uh, before we you know finish the journey home. Yeah, that's right. Especially uh, when the weather gets a bit warmer and the days are longer, it's uh, ideal for that sort of uh, thing. I think really, mm, definitely. Derek, um, You've sort of answered this already, but uh, the importance of children engaging with their parents from an early age, it really is something that's got to start really from the moment they're born or just afterwards, really, isn't it? Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that is really hard to do is to try and set new patterns with a 15-year-old or a 16 or a 17-year-old. But if you can establish those patterns really early on in life, um, you know, that will make a huge difference. Uh, and, and, you know, in all sorts of levels, you know, whether that's just talking about, um, uh, you know, important things that are going on in life, in their life, you know, I suppose the challenge when, you, when you're sort of talking to a two-year-old or a three-year-old is that the most important part of their life is, I don't know, they built a big Lego tower or, you know, it doesn't seem like it's something that's very important. But, but by the time they reach 14, 15, 16, the important things that are going on in their life are, are more significant, but you can't sort of start that conversation then, or it's hard to start that conversation then. Yeah. However, if you establish a pattern when they're, you know, when they're little and they're growing up, then it makes it much, much easier to have those conversations around the dinner table. That's a normal part of their experience of life. Yeah. I guess the other thing is that it's, uh, it's a period of rapid brain development for, um, for children. 
you know, in terms of their social, psychosocial development, uh, their capacity to regulate emotions, to build connections with other people, to read other people's emotions and to know what's important and attuned and, and responsive. And so it's actually a really critical time when family meals can really help in terms of their psychosocial and emotional development and growth. Sure. Um, the other thing, I guess, that's really important, I think, for small children is attachment, having a sense of a, a sort of a secure attachment with the people around them, that people see them, people care about them. Um, you know, one of the things that we know, for instance, around people who've experienced trauma and healing, you know, two things that they really need a lot of is, um, is uh, warmth, is connection with people, and they need routine, you know, things to be sort of stable and regular. And a family meal provides exactly both of those things. They provide warmth, they provide connection, and it's, and it's regular. It's expected, it's predictable, and that can really help. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Derek, do you think children, if they learn from a young age about conversing or talking regularly with their parents and other siblings around the dinner table, that it is a practice that they will continue into their teen teenage years and beyond? Uh, absolutely. It's, um, you know, I think in those early years, as I said, it's, it's a developmental window. It's really important that they get those opportunities for uh, social skills and talking to one another in those early stages. Yeah. Um, and it's, but it's a training ground that's going to set them up for a lifetime. You know, they're going to have to be having conversations. And sometimes, let's face it, not all dinner conversations are easy. Sometimes they're a bit challenging. Sure. Sure. Um, and it's equipping them with the skills to have those conversations with their bosses, with work colleagues, with their peer groups, you know, in, uh, in school in the future to know how to actually have their own voice and express themselves with teachers. Um, and it really does make up, you know, make a huge difference further down the track. You know, I think about my um, experience with my eldest son. We had a funny conversation um, uh, a couple of years ago, he he sort of said, "Dad, oh, I was taking the rubbish down to the down to the front to, on rubbish day." And he said, "Oh, Dad, you know, I'll I'll come for a walk with you." And when we got to the letterbox, he sort of said, "You know, Dad, um, uh, you know, like I know I'm I'm going over east next year to do some sort of missionary work, but I uh, just, you know, there's this girl that I really like, and um, and can." <laughs> We kind of have a conversation about that, how to to manage that, and uh, and I felt really, um, I felt really touched that he would want to have that conversation with me. Yeah, you know, I, I sort of thought yeah. I, I don't know that that's the kind of conversation I would have necessarily had with my own father. No, but where it um, where it came from is is the fact that you know we've had a whole lifetime of constantly talking family meals about things that are important in our lives and for that to sort of feel like a very natural conversation for him to have with me. So starting those conversations when they're little is, is really important. But also with teenagers, you know, there was an interesting study just recently that showed that 80% of teenagers say that the family dinner is the time of day that they are most likely to speak to their parents. Yeah. So we really want to keep that window open you know, all the time, because that might be the chance, that might be the opportunity, the time when maybe, you know, our adolescents, our teenagers, sometimes they go a bit inside, they're trying to work out their things, but if that's the window when they think that they're most likely to say things, we want to keep that door open um, for them going forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's great, um, your son approaching you like that. My son's the same. He do, he, we have a great uh, relationship, and he says things to me that I would never have said to my father. I would have uh, rather run up Kilimanjaro backwards than the, uh, you know, open up to dad that way. And yet my father was a lovely person, but he came through the war and he, they, that generation just didn't speak like that. They didn't open up. 
Yeah, that's right. And it's my experience as well. Sometimes when uh, when my son, you know, both my sons now, my older sons, open up those conversations with me, I, I kind of find myself, my I'm in foreign territory. I'm thinking, gosh, I have no prior life experience of how to have this conversation as a father. Yeah. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful problem to have, you know, to feel that sense of connection that they feel that, oh, gosh, that is someone that I can actually talk to about the challenges. Yeah. Well, that they feel safe too. We've spoken about being safe in previous podcasts too. And if they mm. feel safe within the family and they can talk to you, Karen, whatever, uh, that's just fantastic. It shows you're doing a good job, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really important. Uh, now, we're nearly at the end of the first uh, podcast on this series, uh, Derek, but any other tips you could pass on to families before we do a little recap? Sure. Look, a tip that I got when our children were very, very little, our eldest was just, uh, and uh, and it's continued to this day in our family, was, uh, you know, at the mealtime, at dinner time, one of the most important questions to really ask is just simply, what was the highlight of your day? You know, to ask the members, what was the highlight? You know, for me as a, as a father, often I'm not there most of the day. I don't see all the <laughs> things that took place and, and the activities and, and now with you know, uh, young adults and teenagers, they're often out of the home, so we're not a part of that. But to simply just, you know, we would just sort of go around and say, hey, what, was the, what was the highlight of your day? What was the best part of your day? Yep. You know, it's uh, a mealtime is meant to be a time when we celebrate what's happening in each other's lives. There's good things that are happening in each other's lives that are important parts. And I think we can't really say that we care about someone unless we care about what they care about. You know, we sure. can't say that someone's important in our life unless, you know, it's important to us, the things that are important to them. And, uh, and it's, it's now just such an ingrained habit that if I forget to ask, someone at our dinner table will say, hey, Dad, what was the best part of your day? And, uh, and yeah. we will go around. And I'm glad that we started it early because, um, because as a family, we've sort of developed the culture uh, of sharing what is good, sharing the good things, you know, that are happening in our lives. And, uh, and knowing that we care about each other and what's, what are the good things that are happening in our lives. So I really encourage, you know, families to make sure that at dinner times that you ask about those good things, ask about what's happening, especially for yeah. parents. You know, they put a lot of effort into, oh, gosh, providing meals and driving kids around and earning an income and buying clothes and that sort of stuff. It's kind of nice to get a little bit of the good things back that it's actually making a difference. You know, it gives us hope as well that, okay, this is worthwhile. Something good is happening. Absolutely. And there's a lot to be said about a, that fairly common term, caring and sharing. You hear it a lot, but it's so true. Yes, absolutely. It is. Derek, before we uh, finish off here, a recap of some of the main points you, just, you would just like to reiterate. Look, uh, I guess, you know, we've already talked a, a lot about the importance of the family meal, but I would just want to say that, you know, family meals don't have to be perfect to be valued. You know, that they don't always have to be ideal. Uh, you know, sometimes it's hard getting everyone to the table and people drag their feet and those sorts of things. And just being patient with that, that the main thing is connection. And if we, you know, just, you know, sort of put aside those, sometimes those little frustrations with people's table manners or people dragging their heels and those sorts of things and just kind of focus on actually this is the time for us to connect. This is the time for us to talk about things that, you know, that are important to us, that bring us joy and happiness. And, uh, and it doesn't have to look like any one perfect thing. It can be different for different families. And, uh, and I always encourage, you know, our families with a strong cultural sort of background or have migrated here, you know, include those elements in your family life. They're important parts of the family, uh, of the experience of mealtimes as well. Terrific. 
Uh, that's excellent. We uh, will talk again soon about the benefits, expand more on the benefits of gathering for family meals. But uh, thank you, Derek. Uh, I think we're off to a good start with this and uh, the dinner table. Well, we're up and running. Thank you for your time. You're welcome, David. It's lovely to be back. For more wonderful tips and tricks to get your family to the dinner table, including recipes, conversation starters, prayers and other activities, visit the dinner table on our website at www.magellan.media.